You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Ahmed Munawar, and I am so excited today to bring you Diana Geern and Sean Carroll Sandy, the two hosts of The Sellout Show on YouTube, to talk about how to design your sales process. The truth is, your sales process is probably the most important process in your business, and yet it's probably also the most neglected part of your business, and that's costing you money. So in this interview, we're going to get into why you need a sales process. We're going to talk about what that process should look like and how you can optimize your sales process to help you win more business. Show notes are at forecast.fm slash sellout. If you haven't yet subscribed to the show, go to your favorite podcast player and type in forecast marketing in the search box. Look for the blue graphic, click on it and hit subscribe, and you'll get all the latest episodes right there in your feed. With that, here is Diana and Sean. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Ahmed. It's great to be here. We are excited to talk to you. <laughs> and just so the listeners know who is who, Diana went first and Sean went second. So <laughs> why don't we kick things off here by giving us each of you just your quick backstory. And Diana, you can you can start off. Sure, great. Um, so I'm Diana Guerin, and I am the founder of uh, The Irreverent Sales Girl, which is really an entertainment multimedia company for Salespeople who are, as we say, boots on the ground, phone in the hand, who are every day doing sales. And it's designed specifically to not only be entertaining, but very uh, useful in your sales. And, you know, I've been blogging as the Irreverent Sales Girl for about eight years. Um, and I found that I was just addressing my own sales challenges. You know, if I would run into a I'd run into a sales challenge. I created this little muse called the Irreverent Sales Girl where I'd ask, what would the Irreverent Sales Girl do? And then I'd write it down and all of a sudden I had a following on Facebook. So um, anyway, it's been super fun. I've been doing it for about nine years and I get to connect with people like you. I sell, as I say, I sell during the day and I fight sales crimes by night. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's a hell of a tagline. Tell me, what were you doing when you started writing down your musings? Yeah, so I was I was working with this amazing coach, um, and she was bold and brassy, and these were things that I wasn't really necessarily that great at. And um, unfortunately, she got a diagnosis of Lou Gehrig's disease, right, kind of as we were getting started, which, as many people know, does not end well. And uh, she would say to me every time that we would meet for coaching, she'd say, write this down, write this stuff down, it's working because you're going to need it. You're going to write a book someday. You're going to need it. But what she was really saying is, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. Um, but anyway, so one day I just, um, and I just looked at these 20 pages of, you know, that college lined paper with the ink all curling it up and all these beautiful things that we come up with that were really wonderful about sales. And I'm like, you know what? Nobody is saying these things. Um, so that's where I kind of created the irreverent sales girl. And, um, and that's where I started getting the getting the information about what I was posting. I always love the stories of like kind of like accidental businesses. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when you kind of do something for yourself or you write something down or you take notes or you just try to document something that you're learning. And then all of a sudden you, you develop this audience and people discover it and you build a business around it. I mean, those are really the most organic and exciting kinds of businesses. So I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. 
Thank you. Sean, tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I guess uh, I, my mother would tell you I've been selling since I was born. And I think that that's so much of who I am, problem solving and uh, pushing boundaries, I think is what a lot of people would tell you I do. <laughs> um, and it just has served me so well in life. And, and my sale, I've spent nearly two decades with a sales career where um, I've sold TV for a horrible TV station. I was very successful selling the worst station in the market. I've mm-hmm. sold really sexy things like print, business cards, you know, digital print, as well as uh, flexible office place solutions. And along the way, I realized that I had a really unique way that I would take my strategy to market and really connect with people, differentiate myself. And I decided I wanted to open an agency, but I didn't want to open a marketing agency. I wanted to do something different so that small businesses and people who are trying to expand their reach and are, had an option not to just say, oh, well, I think marketing and advertising are going to solve my problems. They really had to take their product to market. They had to go and sell. But there's just really no one to help fill that gap to say, well, let's build a sales strategy. And then here's your process. Here's how we execute that sales strategy and then follow up with coaching and training. So that's how the selling agency was born. It was born to fill that problem. And so that's how we service our clients today. We help them deeply differentiate their offers and how their go-to-market strategy executes um, those offers so that they can profoundly connect and compel with people. What we do, we feel like is, you know, it's it's selling as a service and we want to help people understand how to do that. So that's how the selling agency was born. And um, I love what I do. I lo- it's just a, such a privilege to get to do it every single day, all day. Excellent. Well, you're, you're both living the dream and I'm excited to have you on the show because <laughs> you're really, you're really doing the kind of things that a lot of our listeners are doing, you know, building up their own businesses, building their agencies mm-hmm. and really yeah. kind of trying to find a way to best monetize their skills and their expertise. And, and you guys are doing a, an incredible job of that. So glad to have you on board. Tell us the story of, of the sellout show, if you don't mind. And I'm going to, I'm going to preface this for listeners. Um, if you've been listening to the show, you, you'll notice this is my first time doing an interview with two people. <laughs> and the reason is that, uh, I was told that Diana and Sean come as a package <laughs> and that's because <laughs> that's because they've got an incredible uh, YouTube video show called the sellout show that they do together. And I'm going to let, uh, we'll let Diana maybe tell that story about how that came together. Yeah. Well, so Sean and I met, uh, we, we belong to a group of women called the women sales pros and, uh, we met during that, but then we really kind of connected at the sales machine in New York last year. And the thing about Sean is she is snort out your coffee funny. I mean, keeping up with this woman, it was so much fun. And I'm like, I've got to figure out a way to work with Sean. So I got turned on by a very dear millennial friend of mine. Um, I got turned on to this podcast called My Favorite Murder, which is two women who get together and pretty much kind of riff for the first half hour on funny stuff. And then they share their favorite true crime stories, which is a little creepy, but it's a hilarious show. So I was like, oh, my goodness, what if somebody brought this to sales? This idea of I just think that sales shows are so boring mm-hmm. and not really not even really on point. A lot of times it's people who used to sell kind of remembering Sean and I are both in the trenches every day. So I called her up and I'm like, Sean, go listen to one of these episodes of My Favorite Murder and then um, call me back. So she did, this was like Christmas time. And I said, we've got to do this. We have got to do this for sales and we got to go on video because um, I think that's where the future is at. So we still haven't even figured out how to get a podcast on iTunes, but I'm sure that's coming. So that's how, that's how the sellout show was born. 
Awesome. I love it. No, I've watched a bit of it. And I, and I was telling you before we, we hit record, it's this, the sales industry is so filled with just the same old drivel, right? It's, it's this, it's, mm -hmm. the, it's the same kind of people saying the same stuff over and over and over again ad nauseum. Uh, and you guys have this really fresh perspective you bring to the table that, that clearly stands out. So um, it's really well done. I'm a little curious before we jump into to today's topic to learn more about how this kind of ties into you know, your sales process, how does it tie into your, your, both of your respective businesses? I'll let Sean take that one. <laughs> well, I mean, the sellout show it, at its core is meant to be like what Diane and I say, we call it, it's for people who are boots on the ground, phone in the hand, in the trenches selling. So whether it's for business owners or salespeople, SDRs, account executives, whatever, people who are selling every day. And what the stuff we talk about is meant to be practical, actionable, and you know, advice. And the way we built this around um, our own individual you know, sales processes is this is you know meant to to feed our you know our, our lead generation essentially. It's you know you like what you hear, bring it to your manager. Um, Diane and I have this super awesome plan to take the show on uh, the road and make and do some live conference shows. You know, some of our most awesome segments like the great do-over and sales fails and uh hey look hey mom look what i did you know these silly things that we do but where we actually talk about um we do a post-mortem on something and why it worked or we break apart an email or something like that these are things that if you've ever been to sales training or conferences and sat in these things and listen to people you kind of want to leave you by before you stab yourself in the eye with a pencil <laughs> And it doesn't have to be that way. So bringing entertainment, enlightenment, and education to a live audience, um, sell-up show you know, via YouTube, this is, a, this is a lead generation platform for us, so we can take this and bring it to the masses again. Yeah. I, one of the things I love about this is that you know we've talked about video on the show, and, I, and I've dabbled a bit in video myself as well. And one of the one of the obstacles I get from a lot of people is video is it's hard to do. It's hard to get started. There's all these things you have to do. You need gear, lighting, and whatnot. But what you've done is you've kind of you've kind of made the whole thing a lot easier on yourselves by doing something that's first of all an interview. So you're not, you know, creating content on your own. And second of all, right. an interview show doesn't have to be all the quality doesn't need to be perfect. The lighting doesn't need to be perfect. You're in your natural element, you're in your office and it feels authentic and you, you get the job done that way. Yeah. Um, yeah, here's, here's what you need. You need a $20 Logitech webcam with a microphone and Zoom, <laughs> which is free. And then you hit record and then it gives you a file and then you load it up to YouTube and you call it a show and then you tweak it as you go along. You know, one of the things that Sean and I said at the beginning was the first episode of the Simpsons, uh, the first season of the Simpsons was terrible, but they started. So that's what Sean and I did. We just started and I encourage people, you know, it doesn't have to be video, but just start. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's good stuff. So let's jump into the topic. I wanted you both to come on and t talk to us about sales process. Now, our listeners are, you know, they're consultants, they're professional services providers, they're typically not marketing and sales folks. And they may not have uh, as, as deep of an appreciation as you do on the importance of having a sales process. So maybe to kick things off, tell us why this idea of having a sales process mm -hmm. is so important to your business. I would love to, to kick this one off. So I, I liken this to saying, if you don't go out, find and approach your customers, 
you're really at the mercy of people who stumble upon you, people who choose you. You're you're to be picked. Um, and that's a dangerous game to play. Then you don't you have much less control over the people you get to work with. Um, you know, the quality clients, uh, the the margins and you know the the revenue that you make. So going to market with a sales strategy is all about building a process process that you can repeat finding what works and then building some infrastructure around it so that you can duplicate those efforts. That is what scaling your business is all about is infrastructure to duplicate success. So, you know, I, I think so, and I'm guilty of this at times, certainly early in my own business, I had to figure out what those processes were. You have to test and tune and find something, but it's really hard when you are the one who gets the business and then does the business to keep going out and getting the business. And I would probably say that that's where a lot of your audience uh, falls down in, in creating a sales process is that, hey man, I gotta, I've got to do the work too. How do I keep going? But you know, I think annual attrition rates for your customers are between 10 and 30%. So you are going to have to go and find new customers. And why not build a process based on the success of your existing customers to go do that? So it's really critical for you to be able to scale to, to have some sort of infrastructure that you can repeat success. Yeah. Makes sense. Diana, anything to add there? Well, you know, I, I the thing that makes the thing that is so painful for me to watch is business owners go through this, and it, it, I think we all do it. But this it, this sort of cycle, and I'm sure you find this Ahmed with your clients, this cycle of feast or famine. Do you mm -hmm. know? Like you get a big client, you get a big job, you throw all your resources at it, you complete the job, and then all of a sudden you look around and there's no new jobs coming. Do you know? So um, one of the things that I really love to talk about with business owners is how to sort of avoid that feast or famine cycle. And it's about building some habits that are actually relatively, once you get into the um, swing of them, they're relatively easy to do. Um, but I think the biggest hurdle for business owners to overcome is this concept of like sales is scary. Mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the things I really like to help them break down. But the, the, the secret about being a business owner is that you're always going to be the most evangelical about what it is that you offer. You're always going to be the one that can sell your product better than anybody else because you know it in and out and you're passionate about it. Um, so those are some of the things that I help people with as they start their sales process is just to wrap their head around. There are simple ways out of the feast or famine cycle and they are, it, you know, I always tell business owners, your prospects, your customers are counting on you to find them. If you deliver mm -hmm. something magical and important for somebody else life for their business, your customers are absolutely counting on you to find them. And that's why to build a sales process. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, and if you're one of those people, you probably are one of those people that, that's thinking, ah, geez, I hate selling. I don't like, you, you know, I don't want to listen to something about selling or sales process. It's, it's not what I do. I'm a professional, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah then that's exactly yeah. why you need a sales process <laughs> because, mm -hmm. because yeah. in the end, you've got to bring in the business, right? If you're the owner, you're the principal, you're the managing partner, you've got to bring in the business. You've got to make sure the numbers are going up and to the right. And if you've got to kind of scramble every month and figure out what to do next, 
I mean, that's valuable energy and resources that you're using up trying to make stuff up on the fly that you could be using towards right. you know, doing what you do best, right? If you have a sales process, what I'm hearing from you is if you have a sales process, it makes things simple. You don't need to, to think about what to do next. It removes the guesswork right. and you just go through the process month in, month out. Yeah, and you, and you, have, and you make it a priority. Um, I think that discipline is hard for any seller. I, I can talk to account executives, SDRs, business owners, accountants. I used to be an accountant, right? <laughs> um, and discipline and doing things and making and choosing what things to make a priority is kind of everyone's difficulty, but especially for business owners or people who have a practice um, or a service, you have to accept that you are the chief revenue officer driving sales and um, you have to make this a priority and that's, there is no if, and, or, but. Yeah. Sorry. We need, we need to go back for a minute. Uh, I used to be an oh. accountant. Ah! <laughs> I know. So, <laughs> I so what, what's your, we, we got to talk about this. What's your, what's your accountant turned sales story? <laughs> well, actually I have, um, I have a, a group of clients right now and they are in the recruiting industry and so many of the people that are um, producers who work a full desk, they both recruit and they also work job opportunities. They came from the industries that they were in. So uh, there's a whole financial division that were, um, I think she called herself a recovering accountant. <laughs> <laughs> and we work every week to you know, work on how do you go to market and how do you find people? How do you approach them? And you know, let's go through and create some phone prompts and you know, work your strategy and you know, once you do one phone prompt, let's do some research and you can duplicate that. So it's wrapping this process around it and making it so that, you know, yeah, she's got to go recruit and fill jobs, but that business development is a priority for her every week. And she's doing it. She's doing great. Uh, they're actually, you know, all, all of them in the finance division looking for those CFOs and, uh, you know, those director level positions. They're phenomenal at this. And they were all, you know, they all work for big four uh, public uh, CPA firms. Awesome. Well, it's always lovely to meet a fellow bean counter doing doing uh, more interesting things now than accounting. <laughs> That's what she says. She's like, if I had to go back to accounting, just shoot me. Yeah. This is much more interesting. Yeah. Awesome. So, so, so let's say I'm I'm sold now. I'm convinced. Okay, I need a sales process. I need some kind of repeatable, scalable process, like you mentioned, to break out of the feast or famine cycle and and and, and be able to generate business when I need it. What does that typically look like? Is there any kind of framework you can share with us to help structure a sales process? Absolutely. Well, I'm interested to hear Sean's because I, I frankly have never heard the selling agency's uh, sales process. So um, I have my own, but I'd love to hear what Sean does. Oh, yes. Um, well, you know, in your uh, your download, on uh, the, the five P's to lead generation, the first one you talk about profile. I love the way you talk about this. This is one of the one of the cornerstones of how we go to market with our clients. And it's building that target profile. Like who who exactly is it we're gonna talk about? Not just defining them, um, but knowing, you know, what's the skin that they live in and really getting so so deep down into where your customers live. I'm talking about you know, not just what industry are they in, what market are they in, how big is their business, but um, you know, where do they search for problems and how would they phrase a problem and what's their day look like? And knowing what someone's day look like, and Diane and I laugh about this because <laughs> we talk about this on the show, knowing where and what someone eats for lunch tells you so much about how to sell to them. 
you know, are they, uh, you know, a three martini lunch? Someone's taking them out to lunch all the time. They're a high level position and that's the way you need to go. Or, you know, are they, you know, slamming a diet Coke with a bag of Cheetos and a Mylanta chaser sitting at their desk, you know, or do they never get to have lunch? Knowing these details, I mean, painting a really specific picture about the person that you want to connect with tells you how to not only go to market with them, but how, also how to empathize with them and then how you engage them and how you can build trust and credibility. That is the first and foremost you know, thing to look for. So you've got that, you've got that in your list too. And I think that that is so key. And, and I love what you say about that, where um, building the profile of your ideal client, this is where the battle is won or lost. I love your quote on that. Man. Yeah. You know, I, I'm actually taking uh, Seth Godin's marketing seminar uh, this summer and, oh, cool. and it's just, oh, cool. yeah. And it's, you know, I, I already think I know quite a bit about the topic, but he's really just opening up my eyes to so many things that, you know, you kind of take for granted. Right. And, and one of the things that he's, that mm-hmm. he's been talking about is when it comes to profiling, you know, you've got your demographics and your psychographics and what you mentioned is, you know, this, the, the demographics are easy, right? That's table stakes. I mean, anybody can come mm-hmm. up with those, right? But to really dive into right. the psychographics and, you know, a day in the life, what do your customers believe? What's their worldview? Like, that's the hard stuff, right? That's the stuff that your competitors yeah. are not going to be thinking about because it's too much work, right? But if you can identify that that worldview set or those beliefs or the way that they view uh, their work, then you're already ahead of the game. Yeah. And, and talk to your customers about that. That you, you get that by talking to people. Don't guess, like go out and validate this. Uh, you know, we, we have a piece in our um, process when we start with clients, it's called ethnography, you know, it comes from anthropology where we study the existing culture of the organization and we interview the employees, the directors, but then we also go and interview the customers to get the, to, to use their own words. We want to take their own words and how we sell to them and go to market. The only reason I know what an ethnography is is because my sis, my, my <laughs> sister's doing her PhD in sociology. <laughs> so if not for that, I would have no idea what you just said. But but I'm with you. Okay, so so the first the first step in the sales process is to get that profile together of your buyer, not only the demographics but the psychographics. Really understand their language and their worldview. What comes next? Well, you know, you also have to. I think that you need to develop a list of pre-qualifying um, context as well. You know, what, so not only this is what my buyer looks like, this is who they are, but then what does this make, how does that make a good match for me? Um, I, I wish and all my sales career and Diana, maybe you can, you would say this or agree. I wish I would have spent more time pre-qualifying people and pre-qualifying harder to say, you know, you have to meet my requirements. Um, so for the selling agency, we look at, um, do they have, what, what, what solutions have they tried before? If we're their first approach, it may not work. If they've tried X, Y, Z, that's the kind of person I want. If they've hired a salesperson and it's flopped before, ideal client for me. So we look at, we put together some pre-qualifying factors that say, these are the conditions that make a great client. And, you know, then, you know, you've got to go find these folks. The third part is you have to go find them. Where are they? Where are they online? Where are they in person? Where are, they, where are these folks searching for answers and solutions? That is where you're going to find people, not just showing up, but where are they searching for information online? Is it you know, LinkedIn? Is it LinkedIn forums? Um, I listened to your podcast earlier about um, you know, how to leverage LinkedIn. But, and you know, that is a really big key. Um, do you have industry things? What are, where are you going to find people? Where are they searching for solutions? When people are in solution mode, that is a great time to approach them. So let's jump back for a minute to this idea of pre-qualifying criteria. I'm a little curious to hear more about what should go into that list of criteria. What kind of things should we see there? 
Diana, do you have any? Well, no, I mean, I think you should keep going. I mean, I, I, there are some things that I can add in a minute, but yeah, I think you're on a roll. I think you should do this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for one of the, one of the things for us is, um, say for instance, with the selling agency, building the culture of a selling organization takes so much, uh, uh, change management. We're going to decide that our organization is going to go to market a different way. So if, in your service firm or your service agency, you that means to change in behaviors. So when I pre-qualify someone, I look for ways to show me that they are someone who's open to change in behaviors. Do they invest in personal development? Um, have, you know, do they run marathons? All these different kinds of things that show me that someone's willing to, you know, take coaching, training, advice to change behaviors. If you are trying to go into someone's business, whether you're an accounting firm, or you're going to take over things. A lot of times um, in a service a service industry, you are going into some place and going to have to change some behaviors. So that's something I would definitely look for is, are they open to taking what you're going to deliver and then executing it? Um, do they have the acumen to be able to do that? Do they have the true decision-making power to be able to do that? All these different things should be in your pre-qualifying criteria. And let me tell you, so much of what I put in my pre-qualifying criteria comes from experience and having overlooked those things prior. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would add on to that. So when I'm, when I'm talking to somebody who's really at the very beginning stages of developing a sales process, um, one of the things that you mentioned before, Ahmed, was how do you take the thinking out of your process and just make it something that you do? And I think the way that you do that is you Schedule a little bit of time to do the thinking. And I tell people to build their billboard top 100 list. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what that looks like is um, I ask people to start with their current and past customers as the top of their billboard top 100 list, because it's more fun to talk to your current and past customers than anybody else. And one of the things that you'll start to do in these conversations with current and past customers is you'll start to ask questions like, And I believe that you think that you'll know the answer to these questions, but I promise you, you will be surprised. I like to ask have people ask their clients um, who used to be their customers or are now, uh, what was happening in your life or business when you decided to hire me? And then I I just ask people to sit back and listen, like just ask the question and then listen and don't respond after the first thing that they say, because they'll say one thing and then they'll dig a little deeper and then they'll dig a little deeper. And what this is going to give you is not only are they going to remember how sold they were on your business and why they bought it, which is a perfect opportunity to open new business with them. They may have something new that they want to do, but it'll also remind you of how amazing your services are and why you're important. And then what you can start to do is flesh out your billboard top 100 with people who are in similar situations. So, you know, a woman who just got married may not be in the market for a baby stroller. I mean, this is a really lame kind of example, but it's, it's very demonstrative of when she gets pregnant, all of a sudden, everyone in her circle is now a prospective customer for a baby or whatever. So my point is, I think you really need to start understanding what was happening in somebody's life when they decided to hire you. And then the next question to ask them is, and how did it solve that problem for you? Because you'll be surprised at what was going on in people's life. You may also be really surprised about what it did for their business or their life. And, you know, that'll build you testimonials, but it'll also get you really fired up 
to start reaching out to the other Billboard top 100s. Yeah, no, I absolutely love what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I think <laughs> one of the really important points that Sean made is that if you don't think they're going to change or do what it is that they need to do for you to do your job, then wouldn't you like right. to know that in advance, right? And how many times have we discovered that yep. halfway through an engagement or at the end of an engagement? Oh. And, and then it's time wasted, right? And and folks don't think about that because they think, well, well, as long as they pay my bill, I'm happy, right? Well, no, because you could have been working right. with a client who paid your bill and did what you needed them to do and made your life easy and actually got the results. And then guess what? They end up producing a heck of a client testimonial or a case study. And I think, right. you know, just going back to what Diana said, I think, that this idea of the, the, the Billboard Top 100 list is great. I would say if you can't see the prospect becoming a testimonial for you, if you can't see them like on camera, on video, talking about their experience working <laughs> with you, it's probably a sign yeah. that they're not the right fit. Yeah, which is great. It gives you the opportunity to move on. I mean, that's that's one of the most important things about sales. You know, one of the people people always ask me, what do you say to the objection? I'm not interested. And my answer is go find somebody who is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you really don't, don't have a service that people are going to be interested in, then you should like rethink your drink and do something else. But if they're not interested, move on, just move on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 it makes much more sense to talk to somebody who fits your ideal client profile than to convince somebody who isn't to be somebody they're not. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So we've got, uh, you know, nail down your ideal client profile, develop these pre-qualifying criteria, find where they are, you know, whether it's LinkedIn and LinkedIn is obviously kind of the elephant in the room that's hard to, that's hard to ignore now if you're in the B2B space, but find where they are. Mm -hmm. So you have access to your, to your target clients. What do you do next? I like to call this, you need to develop your selling mix. Um, one of the the founding factors for building a selling agency was having sat through so much, wasn't terrible, so much sales training that just left me feeling like, oh, you know, you show up to sales training and the trainer says, okay, here's the new thing we're going to do. Forget everything you did. And if everyone does this one thing, then we're all, you're going to be successful. And that's just not, that's just not going to work. Everyone has to develop their own unique selling mix based on the product or service you're selling based on where you are in the food chain of your customer's business, and then also your own personalities and skills. You know, some people are just fantastic on the phone, and some people need to work on that skill, so they need to compensate in other ways until they get there. So a selling mix is all the different pieces of your puzzle that you continue to use to advance your prospects through the funnel. So it could be that you know LinkedIn and sharing content and posting and you know social media is a part of your your selling mix. It's not the only piece. You know, there's a big debate in sales, and Diane and I, woo, we love this one about social mm -hmm. selling and and cold calling is dead. And you hear all the you hear all these different things from experts. And what I really want to tell you as business owners who are out there selling, you have to find what works for you. Don't just listen to one source. Find what works for you. So whether it's sharing content and proving that you are an authority, whether you write that content or you find just really relevant content, that's a piece of it. Um, going and showing up in person, if you've got industry or trade shows or conferences that you can go to, that's a piece of it. Getting on the phone and contacting those folks, whether it's cold or a warm call and email, all of this is part of your selling mix. And you need to sort of test this and you know, think of it as a pie of how you spend your time for the biggest amount of return. You probably have to do some of all of this, but your customers are going to respond to different things. I have a client who um, 
sells some really sexy things like packing tape and bubble mailers, <laughs> you know, woo. And, you know, oftentimes the um, operations directors or even the general managers of um, distribution centers or manufacturing facilities, they're not on LinkedIn a lot. Um, we have to show up and keep showing up and keep showing up and cold call these places in person to get a door open. So that's a piece of that selling mix because of what we're selling and who we're selling to. Yeah, right. And then when you get your selling mix, I think one of the one of the things that works really well for me when I when I'm coaching people is to set it to get a discipline going of when you're going to be using your selling mix, when you're going to be doing your outreach. And I've found that there are three different ways that people do this the best. And you kind of have to know who you are, right? So either um, I encourage people to determine at the beginning of their week how many hours are you going to put aside for prospecting and start small, like make it two hours, make it something that you're just know you're going to be reliable to do. Make it only two hours, make it three hours and then keep track. Or some people are better at setting a numbers goal. Like I'm going to make sure that I make 20 high quality contacts and that can be a good email or a good phone call or, you know, a mixture of both. But count how many, how many touches are you going to have during that week? Um, mine is personally a hundred, but I've been doing this for a long time and that's what I do every week. <laughs> um, or you set occasions. And what I mean by that is you say, you know what, every Wednesday morning from nine to noon, I'm going to do, I'm going to work my selling mix. I'm going to prospect. I'm going to do outreach. And whichever one of those is more like you to, um, to be reliable for, pick that one. And then I like to tell people, be superstitious yeah. about keeping that promise. Like, if I don't do this, something really, really bad in the world is going to happen. You know, like step on a crack, break your mother's back. Keep that promise to yourself like a superstition. And if at the end of the week, you know that you have to tweak it and move to a different goal, do it. But keep your promise to yourself during the week. And what you'll start to see is activity breeds activity, which breeds momentum, which brings enthusiasm. And, um, you know, put one front of, one foot in front of the other and soon you'll be walking out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, one of the things I've learned over the years, just from, from kind of reading sales books and, and listening to, to some of the, uh, the sales gurus, if you will, is it's just that idea, right? Activity breeds activity. That it's really easy to get disheartened when you're doing stuff, but you're not seeing the outcome. And what you need to remember right. is it, it might not happen on day one, right? You're not going to start prospecting Monday morning and Tuesday you've got your first deal. That's not how it works, right? It's a process. You have to track it. You have to refine it. You have to tweak it. But the more that you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And if you have that kind of attitude and you're tracking that input, then eventually you'll see the results. I'm, I'm very, very, um, uh, I want to say militant about tracking inputs, so what I recommend to people is once you've, again, settled on that sales mix or that selling mix, um, then measure mm -hmm. it not according to what you get, but what you put in, right? So how many messages are you sending or, right. or how many touch points like Diana mentioned are you shooting for, right? Put that in a spreadsheet, measure it, and then find a partner to hold you accountable. If you have a coach, yeah. then that's great. But if, if you don't need a coach, right, find somebody else who's in a similar position that needs to sell their own services. And there's many of us, right? Meet once a week, go over your numbers and explain to them why, you know, what happened, what went well, what didn't go well. That alone, I think, will, will increase your productivity by double at least. For sure. Yeah, sales is a long game. And um, I have a little saying 
that, especially, especially for business owners, because, you know, they'll say, well, I made five phone calls and didn't get a result. You know, I've got to go on and do the other things. You there don't confuse, you know, a crisis and confidence for what it really is, which is a lack of patience or a lot or a loss of patience or a lack of persistence. You have to persist over time. That's grit. Um, you've got to be gritty in order to, to make this happen. The, the grittier you are, you know, you can look behind you and see that your competitors either aren't doing this because it is hard or they're not doing it well, or they do it just a little bit and give up. If you can be grittier than, you know, the other people out there looking to steal your lunch money and steal your customers, then you will win persistence over time. You will win. You will earn customers more than they will. Yeah. Be grittier. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you this. So when it comes to developing your selling mix, I'm wondering, you know, where's the best place to start? On the, on the one hand, I think maybe you start, you could start with, well, here's my buyer's process and I want to fit into that process. And that's obviously, that makes a lot of sense for mm-hmm. a number of reasons. But at the same time, you want to be practical and you want to look at, like you both mentioned, rightfully so, what's actually working for me? What have I done well in the past? How do you, how do you kind mm-hmm. of bridge those two? What's working for me versus what's going to work into the buyer's process? Well, I, I think talking to your buyers, you know, your existing customers certainly helps and, and asking, you know, how do you prefer to be contacted? And um, you're also, you know, when I say that, though, not every buyer is the same and you're going to have to make adjustments, which is why I think it's important that you have a mix of different activities and that you that you use knowing where they are and how they communicate and where they spend their time when they're making decisions is the most critical part of that. Um, What you're doing doesn't matter as much as what your buyer is doing, period. Yeah, and a really good thing to do, um, you know, a way to kind of open a conversation. One of the things that I always recommend to people is if you don't have a reason to be calling somebody, then you shouldn't pick up the phone, which doesn't mean that you shouldn't do your prospecting. It should mean that you should find a good reason to be calling somebody. Um, and one of the things that I find really useful is telling, asking people to call their current customers or their past customers and ask them, what are the trends that are happening in your industry right now that are impacting your business? You know, so you can start to really understand what industry trends are, which will tell you a little bit about where to contact people or where to get a hold of them. But it'll also start to create these things that I like to call trigger events. Um, where I can call somebody up and say, you know, I've been talking to my clients and they're finding that the new tax reform law, I'm just going for your accountant side here. Um, the new tax reform law is really creating challenges for some of their customers who are trying to plan for their you know, children's college. It changed the whole game. And is that something that you're dealing with? Um, and what it does is it gives you the ability to be a professional who's going to add value, who's going to ask questions. But if you're asking your current customers, you know, your future buyers shouldn't look that different from who's at work for in the past. What are industry trends? These give you ways to sort of create these trigger events. And then from the trigger event, what you can do is you can create, and this I think is really important, create a kick the tires kind of offer for the people that you're going to be talking to fold. Generate as little risk as possible for the other person on the phone to say yes to the first request. And that could be, you know, I'm holding a lunch and learn with fellow accountants who we're all going to get together and discuss this and I'll buy your lunch for you. Or I'm holding a webinar that's going to be, you know, just 10 people on this call, but it's going to be an intimate conversation about 
how people are dealing with those particular issues. So create the first step is not to close a deal on your first yes. The first step is to generate interest and know what your yes is going to be and make it a low risk yes. Yeah, I just want to double down on this idea of of asking your clients questions. It's such a, it's such a simple <laughs> idea, right? And it's so obvious when we talk about it now, but I mean, we overlook it so much. And just to make folks feel at ease, you know, I overlook this all the time, right? I, there's one client in particular that I'm thinking of. Um, I've got a I've got a video testimonial with her. Her name's Pam Brown. She's on on my website in the story section, and uh, you know, we 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 worked together. We did the project, and then I did this video testimonial with her afterwards. And I asked her kind of what Diana mentioned earlier, right? What was the context? What was going on in your life and in your business that caused you to reach out and want to work with me? And I learned so much <laughs> just, from, just from asking that question. And we'd already worked together. It was done. It was like a two-month engagement, right? We were, we were saying goodbye. Yeah. And and, I, and it took me that long to realize until I asked that question why she had actually reached out. What was that trigger event? And if I didn't ask, I wouldn't have known. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's really important. Plus, wasn't it a fun conversation? Didn't it make you feel great? Didn't you guys leave better and closer? And then you had other things to talk to other prospective clients about? Isn't it fun? Well, I mean, I, I generate a heck of a testimonial out of it, which is great. But but what also <laughs> happened is, is what you mentioned earlier, is that when I asked those questions and she was thinking back to how she made the decision, why she chose me, the experience of working together, she got really excited all over again about the process. And that energy came out yeah. luckily for me on video and I captured it. And now my prospective clients see it and and now they want to be like her. They want that energy, right? They want to look forward to to getting something done like she did. Excellent. That you know, so much of what so much of what we do now as buyers on and whether it's consumer or b2b whatever is we source other people's experiences so capturing that in a testimonial or um telling stories any way in in your selling mix in your sales process any way that you can give your prospective customers the opportunity to know what it's like to work with you to almost um you know try before you buy to see someone else's experience that is a beautiful thing that's why Yelp and Rotten Tomatoes and, you know, that's, um, you know, TripAdvisor. That's why all those things exist right now. We trust the word of strangers over the word of what you say about your business. So those, those are really, really powerful parts of your selling mix when you can get someone else to tell, you know, to, or give someone the insights so they can see what it's like to work with you. Absolutely. Listen, Diana, Sean, I mean, we could do this all day and I'm inclined to, but I think we got to leave some of the good stuff for the sellout show. So folks will tune in and watch that as well. Uh, Before we wrap up, anything that uh, either of you or both of you want to mention? Well, I'll start. Absolutely. Go to YouTube. uh, Search the sellout show, S-E-L-L-O-U-T show. Subscribe, enjoy. We can't wait to see you there. <laughs> yeah, it, this has been a blast, and and I, I would, you know, I really feel so much um, kindredness with your audience because that is who that is who I work with day in day out. And I want to just leave one one last note to say, 
you have to shift your mindset about selling. Um, selling is it's articulating your value in a way that is valuable to other people. It's helping people buy and buy you in confidence. And I also believe that it's the first opportunity you have to serve your customers. You provide value in the way that you sell to them. And so think about that whenever you're developing your sales process and you'll be wildly successful and then come over to the sellout show or find us and we're not hard to find and come tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah. We love comments. We always respond. <laughs> well, it's, it's like they say, right? Nobody likes being sold to, but everybody likes to buy. So if you can help them buy, you'll you'll build a nice little business for yourself. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. So folks, do check out the sellout show. I'm going to leave a, a link to that in the show notes. I assure you it's unlike any sales training or education <laughs> you've ever seen. That promise I can make for sure. And you're, you're going to you're gonna have to tune in to see what I mean by that. Diana and Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a lot of fun. Thank hey, thank you. Us. It was a blast. Absolutely. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step -step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.